All right. How y'all doing tonight, C12? Good. That was a good one. That was a good one. All right. First things first, real quick. If you are the owner of a red Explorer, I need to tell you that you need to go outside back to the parking lot to your car. Someone has actually hit your car on accident. So if you are the owner of a red Ford Explorer, please just sneak on out there and take care of that. Now, that's out of the way. I am glad to be here one more time as we are talking about worship. Now, I love what's happening in the middle of the room. I think every single person in here just acted like this is a middle school dance, and you're like, I can't walk there. Like, that's, there's cooties there. I'm not, mm-mm, not there. And then we have like seven brave people sitting there. Good, that's awesome. Afterwards, yeah, you should cheer for them. Yes. Yes, Ashley. Afterwards, after I teach in just a few minutes, I'm going to explain why in the world we left this cavern in the middle of the room, I promise. But what we've been doing over the last few weeks is talking about worship. So hopefully you enjoyed that little snippet of worship. We're going to get into some again after I teach. But we've been walking through worship through three different things so far in this series. We've learned what is worship. And we talked about the throne in the middle of the room that everyone has in their life. Whenever you give the most attention, affection, and adoration to is what you put on that throne. It's what you worship. And if it's anything other than Jesus, then it's sin. And then the week after that, we talked about why we worship. And then last week, we talked about when we worship. And through all of these, I really wanna, want you to understand that worship has a lot less to do with what you sing and a lot more to do with how you live. It is a heart issue. It is a lifestyle issue. And I, I love this series especially, and it's important for me because of what it means for C12. This series is the one that's going to set the the experience of what you're going to expect every time you come in here. The experience you're going to have when you, have, when you come in here for worship of where your heart is going to be. So it doesn't take four songs until you're already engaged. But you come in with an expectation of something's going to happen. An encounter is going to happen. And for me, that word encounter is important. Because it's something I experienced in college. Now, when I was in college, I grew up around here. I went to UGA, which is why I look ridiculous wearing these shoes. You're welcome. Um, but my best friend, God bless his soul, went to Auburn. Oh, man. Whew, collective. Just, all right, pray for him. His name is Casey. We grew up together. We lived parallel lives together. And then we graduated and went to two different colleges, rival colleges. Now, I don't have a problem with Auburn. If they're not playing Georgia, I'm probably going to cheer for Auburn because of him. And because of his experience when he was there. So any Auburn fans in the room? Can we, like, the two of you? Yeah. Any Alabama fans in the room? Okay, Yeah. Y'all suck just as bad. It's okay. So any Georgia fans in the room, we're friends. You're welcome. Now, here's the whole point about this. When we were in college, Casey, for the first time in our life, we're no longer together in the same group of friends. We're no longer in the same houses we always grew up in. We had our friends come hang out with us. We weren't hanging around the same girls. We had, for the first time in our life, this opportunity to make something of ourselves. We had an opportunity to go and, and do something on our own. We got to make friends and circles that we had. We got to choose the trajectory of where we would go. We got to figure out what it looked like to have our own faith, to no longer just have the faith of our friends or the faith of our family or our parents. We got to figure out what it meant for us, ourselves individually. And I would imagine that a lot of you are in a similar season of life to where we found ourselves. You're figuring a lot of this out. And for KC, he came back after the end of his first semester and he talked about this this thing he got to experience at Auburn, where he got to meet a lot of people. He had his group of friends, and I liked all his friends. They were incredible. They were from everywhere around, uh, all around the Southeast. And he had all these friends, and then together, collectively, 
they would go to this thing every single week called Encounter. And Encounter was a weekly worship experience for students at Auburn. And so Casey and his group of friends would go and be with over a thousand other people every single week. And they would go to this thing called Encounter. And the way he would talk about it set something to fire inside of me. Because he would talk about Encounter, how it was the first time in his life he'd ever stepped into a worship experience and felt free. Felt freed up like he'd never had before. He actually encountered the Holy Spirit every time he was there. See, there was a blessing over Encounter that I got to hear about when I was at UGA. And I think the main reason why this blessing rested on that ministry comes down to one primary word. Obedience. And as we talk about obedience tonight, we're going to see that it's something that's going to set a trajectory for us. It's something that will set the trajectory for you. And it's done it for many other ministries that are going after the exact same thing that we are. This college age season of life, 18 to 25, figuring out how to live, how to find our identity, our place in the world, our future, our specific way that we worship God best. And so when I was at UJ, after I heard about Encounter, I found the Wesley Foundation, which was an incredible ministry and still is to this day. A lot of the things we're doing here are based off what I learned at Wesley. There's also one at Texas A&M called Breakaway that has over 10,000 people show up every single week. That's dumb. Can we just call it what it is? That's like a, a concert every single time. And something's happening in all those environments that we see occur. And I think it's beginning to happen here. And it's what we're really going after and why we're teaching this series. In all of those environments, there's something about the leaders that are there that are just completely obedient to what God wants to do. Because when you look at them and then you talk about worship and the experience of worship, that would be the thing that ties all of them together. You have to understand that worship is obedience. Now, I'm not going to talk a lot tonight because there are some sweet treats that are going to be out there for y'all. Anyone excited about the desserts? More for me. Sweet. That's awesome. We have King of Pops coming in a little bit. We also have a frozen vintage custard ice cream truck that'll be here and cookie dough for everybody. So if you're like me, that's all I need. Now, here's, what I, here's what's going to happen in a few minutes. After I'm done teaching and after we worship again, I'm going to tell you to do something and it's going to be to leave the room and go, dessert, go enjoy some desserts. And you know what all of you are going to do? You're going to obey that because it's not tricky. Sweet, I can go have some sugar. I'll do that. It's easy. We're all going to obey. And see, here's the deal of what I want you to see. Worship really is all about obedience because in your life, you are always being obedient to something. Now, our world may tell you that you should be so anti, like, don't obey the rules. The rules are lame. The rules put a confine around you that you can't have any fun. But by breaking the rules, you're being obedient to your desire to break rules. You are always being obedient to something. And when it comes to worship and when it comes to God, when it comes to your faith, you're either choosing one or two things. You're being obedient to your desires and your cravings and sinful nature within you, or you're being obedient to God. It's one of two things. If you're being obedient to God and disobedient to what, your, to what the world and what your desires would tell you, or you're being obedient to your desires and being disobedient to God. You're choosing one of those at all times. And whatever it is you're being obedient towards is what you're worshiping. 
So tonight we're going to talk about how we worship. And the main way that you worship is through obedience. In song, in your life, with your heart, in your future. Because worship is all about obedience. And Paul tells us that our obedience should be towards Christ in Romans chapter 6. I'm going to read it to you. You can follow along if you want. But really, I just want you to listen as I read Romans 6. Paul's letter to them talking about being dead to sin and alive in Christ. This is where obedience plays a big key. Listen in. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may have life anew. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body so, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin or obedient to sin. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Verse 8. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Don't put it on the throne. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? By no means. And this is where obedience comes in. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or you are slaves to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey your, from your heart the pattern of the teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. Now, I know that was a lot. I hope you followed along because the entire premise of this is that when you choose to be obedient to the sin in your life, to the things of your carnal nature, your cravings, your desires, all the things that would not be of God, you're choosing death. And when you choose to be obedient to God and worship him with your life, put him on the throne, give him the most attention, affection, and adoration that you can, you're choosing life. And this plays out in your, in your world everywhere. And here's a, a good way to know whether or not you're doing the right thing. See, some of you may say, awesome, so obedience is the right thing I should do, but how do I know what I'm supposed to be obedient with? How do I know when God is prompting me to do something? And this is a rule of thumb. It's not necessarily a fact. It's not something written in the Bible. It's just what I have come to know to be true in my life. 
If you feel that there's a prompt to do something and then you don't want to do it, it's probably the Holy Spirit. Because all of you that have ever been in a relationship and you're starting to go too far, you start to feel that prompt. You're like, oh man, I don't know that I should do this. But you're like, I don't want to stop. Do you see her? Every time that you feel that prompt to do something and then you don't want to do it, it's probably from the Holy Spirit. Now that's not a fact, but it's an easy way to change the way that we think about this in our world. Because worship is all about obedience. And we have to be obedient to what God's telling us to do. We have to be obedient in our relationships, keeping boundaries and running from temptation like we just talked about. Yes, I understand that you want to be horizontal and alone, but I'm telling you, set up boundaries and be vertical and in public. Because if you're vertical and in public and having problems, there's a whole other set of issues, okay? (laughs) So set up boundaries and be obedient to what God would want you to do. By doing that, you live your life as worship to him. In the store, when I was 18 years old, this is an easy, practical thing. I came home from a camp, and I started reading a book called Wild at Heart. It was foundational for who I am today as a man. And there was a couple, these other people, I swear they had to be my age. So can we call them a couple? They're in high school, whatever. They were on the other aisle of the store, and I had just been looking for another book. And they were talking about Wild at Heart. And I felt this prompt, overwhelming, buy him the book. You know the impact it did for you, just buy him the book. And so I went and I bought him the book. I have no idea who the dude is. I don't know if you ever read it. He could have thrown it away. But I had a prompt and I was obedient. It's that simple, simple practical things every single day in your conversations. How many times have you been in a conversation and then you started to feel like, you know what? I don't know that we should really continue to gossip about this person or continue to slander this person, continue to badmouth this person. I don't really know that I should continue saying these words. I probably should just shut up and yet we keep talking. Find that prompt. Be obedient. Just literally shut up. Stop moving your mouth. (laughs) That's all you have to do. It happens every day. Practical life. Happens in prayer. When I was the, I got to fill in as Hamilton Mill Campus pastor a bunch over the last two years when I was working over there. And one of the times I was doing, I was praying for everybody. There's over 400 people in the room. And I was praying at the end of the service. And I felt this strong prompt that I should get down on my knees to pray that I should do this. And you know what I said in my head, not out loud? I'm not doing that. I would look like an idiot. There are 400 people here. What's he doing on his knees? He didn't know what he's doing. And so I didn't do it. And I prayed standing up. And the moment I got done, it was this, crap. Just missed an opportunity. I was disobedient. See, God gave that small little prompt and my obedience would have led to something further. I don't know what he would have done had I knelt, but he called for me to do it, and so I needed to be obedient. You have no idea what God's going to do when you choose obedience and worship him. This is a really fun story of a similar thing of someone that actually decided to be obedient. Because the main thing that I want to kind of press in on, culturally when we talk about worship, we think about music. We think about songs. We think about singing our praise to God. When I was 17 years old, I was in a at a camp, and there was this guy named Michael Fritz. He was in my grade. I grew up with him. Michael Fritz is like a walking Marvel Captain America hero. And I played against him in football, and he knocked the bejesus out of me. Like, I still hurt to this day because he hit me so hard. This dude could do a 1,000 push-ups without breaking a sweat. He's just one of those guys that, like, walking advocare is basically what he is, okay? And so Michael 
loves Jesus, and we're in worship, and then he gets this strong press. He's sitting at the end of the aisle. Michael, I want you to get down and start doing push-ups. And like you, like we saw this happen. We're like, Michael's lost his freaking mind. <laughs> but he got the prompt to do push-ups, and so Michael gets down and just starts doing push-ups. And I can do like five before I get tired. Okay. Whew. He kept. <laughs> you say liar. <laughs> All right. Pride. Just shut your mouth. Just shut your mouth. Stop talking. Um, back to the awesome story of the person that could do more than either of us. Michael gets down and starts doing push-ups. And he's like, well, when do I stop? This is weird. He's like, just keep going. And so he kept doing push-ups. After the service, somebody came up to Michael and said, I don't know why in the world you did that, but I just stood over there and I've been questioning God this entire time. I didn't think any of this was real. My parents forced me to come here. And I sat there and worshiped me. I said, God, I don't know that I believe in you. All I'm going to give you is one more chance. If someone is crazy enough to start doing push-ups in the middle of the aisle, I'll believe in you. And Michael was obedient. And he was doing push-ups. And that day someone started believing in Jesus. Now, that's not to say that he wouldn't have ended up believing in Jesus anyways. Maybe sometime down the road. But because of Michael's obedience in that moment, his worship in that moment of saying, God, this is, this is asinine, but I'll do it anyways because you're asking me. The kingdom expanded and someone found God. You have no idea what God might do through you if you would just be obedient in life, in song, in worship, whatever you're doing, because worship is all about obedience. You're always choosing to be obedient to something. You always have a choice, though, to be obedient to God or to your sin. It's one or the other. There is no middle ground. So my press for you, my prompt for you in this, is that I can't really tell you what to do. I've made space in the middle, this giant cavern that you eight brave souls are sitting in and everyone's looking at right now. And what I would love for you to do is to spread throughout the room and experience what in the world freedom and worship looks like. I'd love to tell you that you should kneel on your knees, that you should raise your hands. I'd love to tell you that you should sing as loud as you want. I'd love to tell you to take up all the space throughout here and respond however God wants you to do. But I can't tell you to do that, but the Holy Spirit can. And so Savannah and David are going to lead us through some more worship. We had two at the beginning. We're going to have a few more at the end. And the whole purpose of doing this is to give you an opportunity to practice what you just learned. Don't just be a hearer of the word, be a doer of the word. So before we go back into worship, here's what I want you to do. I'm going to say a prayer for you, but I want you to pray also. It's the simplest thing you could ever say. Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? That's all you got to pray. Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? You ask him to come in, and then when he gives you a prompt to raise your hand, it doesn't matter if you got deodorant on or what the person next to you thinks. You raise your freaking hand. It's obedience. And when he tells you to kneel down, it doesn't matter if you don't have any idea why you're kneeling down. Or maybe you're here with someone, they're going to be like, why is he kneeling down? And you're afraid that they're going to think that you're weird. It doesn't matter what anyone else of you thinks as long as you're obedient to him. That's all that matters. Because worship is all about obedience. And if you want to experience freedom in worship, then you listen for the Holy Spirit, not for other people.
I don't care if you're tone deaf. The person next to you might for a second and they'll get over it. I'll just turn the volume up. (laughs) However, the Holy Spirit would be prompting you over the next few moments. My ask of you is that you would be obedient. The chairs around you can be a barricade. Walk away from them. Leave your stuff there and go and find space and worship. If you want to stay in your chair and you want to stay sitting down, do it. I'm not going to tell you what to do. The Holy Spirit is. My ask is that you be obedient. So let me pray for you all and then we'll worship. Father, you know my heart for this place, for this ministry, is nothing other than, Father, that that you would grow us up in wisdom and stature and in favor with both you and with men, just as you did Jesus. And while giving us that maturity, Father, I pray that you would also grow our maturity in terms of worship. And when I say maturity, what I really mean, Father, is that level of intimacy that we would have with you, that we would encounter you, that we would that we would find your Holy Spirit in this place in the same way that you allowed me to hear from KC about encounter at Auburn, the same way that I experienced it at Wesley when I was at UGA, and the many times I've found it throughout my life when my obedience comes, Father, you bring freedom. So whoever would come into this place tonight and they would feel like they're wearing shackles, they're just wrapped up in sin, wrapped up in the bondage of being a slave to their sin, God, I pray that their small step of obedience would be the key to unlock those and let the chains fall free. May they look down and realize that you offer life. You want us to be free. All we have to do is be obedient. So like never before in this room, would you have your way in our hearts? Would you be so overwhelmingly clear with discernment into us, Father, would we hear with absolute clarity what it is you want us to do? And then I pray you give us the heart and the ability and the boldness to just respond. Because God, when we step into these moments, it's not about us. It's not about our emotions. It's not about our voice. It's not about our talent or ability. It's not about Savannah. It's not about David. It's not about anybody up here. It's not about me. God, it literally is only about you. So may you go to the forefront of our hearts. May you sit yourself on the throne and eradicate everything else that would take its place. And may we with full freedom in the name of Jesus approach your throne boldly and follow the Holy Spirit into worshiping you with all we have because God, we're here for you. Whether we know it or not, everyone in this room is in need of you. So would you be all that we need? And may we respond to you as you desire. So have your way in this place. May freedom run wild. And will we be obedient to your call? In Jesus' name, amen.